0: CBC News. There's lots to get to. Let's get to it. Here's CBC News. Billions to be announced for housing construction, they say, and federal fiscal update says source. So that's going to be announced today. This is a leak. Oftentimes the leak the day before is floating a balloon to see how people react. And most people don't pay any attention, right? So anyway, the fall fiscal update to be presented Tuesday by the federal finance minister will include billions of dollars in loans and direct funding for the construction of affordable housing, a senior government source as told CBC News. New measures will include $15 billion for 10 years loans for new rental housing construction, a $1 billion fund dedicated to getting more affordable housing built, and new and new mortgage rules for lenders dealing with homeowners at risk, according to the source who's not authorized to speak publicly about the fall economic statement before it's tabled. The measures are part of a restrained fiscal update focused on mitigating the housing crisis and easing cost of living challenges while still trying to grow the economy, create jobs and create jobs, the source said. The Canadian or the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, CMHC, will facilitate the lending to builders, and the loans yeah. <coughs> will have favorable terms, said the source, but they would not discuss, discuss the rate to be charged, the money. So, so some people will get preferential rates. I don't think this is a good solution to all of this. And the billion dollar fund, a billion dollars. The houses cost a million dollars. A billion seems woefully inadequate if we're talking about (laughs) constructing a house. I mean, a room in a ghetto that doesn't have a bathroom or a sink. You have to leave your room, right, that has a little mini fridge, I guess. Go outside and go to the outdoor bathroom building thing. Only five of them. And you think that's going to work? Why? would not see people? But those things cost $60,000. In that context, a billion dollars sounds not nearly enough by orders of magnitude. (laughs) Carrying on. The money, which the government estimates will help build 30,000 new homes across Canada, is for rental construction projects with five or more units. Um, Okay, so 30,000 homes across Canada, what timeline? 30,000 homes in the next 10 years, 30,000 homes in the next six months. Here's your, here's your shack. The bathroom's down the, that dirt road. Good luck. <laughs> it's one of those things where I almost wouldn't put it past them. Also, do you think those things are insulated enough? I was looking at them again this morning and they're just shipping containers. Sure, they're contained, but if you heat that, how long does the heat stay in a shipping container? Do you have to use, maybe they should use some expanding foams to foam to line the walls there to keep the heat in a little bit? Maybe, I don't know, it seems pretty wild. I'm sure it's insulated, right? The inside walls didn't look corrugated, did they? I'm going to have to go back and look. Anyway, back to this. The measures are part of the restrained fiscal update focused on, I already read that. This funding gives builders a lot of certainty during the riskiest phase of the a housing project, said the source. It helps ensure buildings and construction happens, which we need. The new, they said, don't worry, get a lot of debt. The interest will be very low for a long time. We need to provide stability for Canadians. They said, and then, very very quickly after a whole bunch of people saddled themselves with really a lot of debt, they said, oh yeah, guess what? The interest rates going up by a lot. Ha <laughs> ha. So I, you know. They say that, but I'm, I'm not sure they're able to provide the stability they promise. Back to this. The new mortgage rules are about codifying government expectations around mortgage relief for homeowners at risk and how they're treated by their financial institutions, said the source. This is coming from the government that froze bank accounts of protesters and, and who are not looking at any of the protesters these days who are protesting for a foreign country and blocking Canadian infrastructure, blocking railroads and things like that, not looking at them for charges or anything like that. They're occupying um, MPs' offices No charges i haven't heard of any charges everything's just hunky-dory so it seems a little rich coming from them the rules will be part of a six-point charter that builds on the financial consumer agency of canada's existing guidelines those guidelines allow for extensions of amortization periods and the waiving of fees related to delayed payments the charter will include a new requirement that mortgage lenders proactively contact homeowners four to six months before they are set to renew their mortgages to assess their options. Many homeowners will be facing much higher interest rates at renewal time in the next two years. And for those with insured mortgages who want to switch lenders when they're up for renewal, financial stress tests will no longer be required. Well, that's interesting news. A um, billion dollars billion is earmarked for affordable housing is aimed at building more nonprofit and more public housing. It will take the form of direct funding rather than loans for builders. I, I think the idea of giving people loans during times of crisis is predatory in itself. Like you can't make ends meet. I'm going to loan you this money and then you're going to pay it back. It feels very mafia-y, you know, like you you can't, you're stuck. Without me, your business is done, but I'll give you a loan so you can float your business along. But when things look up, you're you're repaying me. It seems predatory. And especially when we give taxpayer-free or uh, interest rate free loans to Ukraine. We just give money straight up to Ukraine. We're like, here's a Humvee we built because you know we needed jobs. I don't think there's any expectation of Ukraine giving any of that money back. But if you're a Canadian business struggling, they say here's ten thousand dollars and that's at one percent interest and that's a really good deal. Why what's like why why does Ukraine qualify for zero percent? They're at war, you monster. Yeah, well, the whole thing is orchestrated so that we pay for it. So if we stop paying for it, maybe they wouldn't be at war. <laughs> Here is, and, and I'm not heartless about the whole thing. I think that they should call, I think that they should negotiate peace as soon as possible and end this war, but it's not my country, so I can't tell them what to do. Rachel says, <clears throat> only the prime minister could using a, use a housing accelerator fund to decelerate housing. Rent has doubled, housing prices have doubled, mortgage prices have skyrocketed, and the national housing shortage is forcing people to literally rent half a bed. Canadians deserve better. Hot cheating, right? So you sleep during the daytime, and then you go to work at nighttime. And your friend, who was at school during the day, comes and sleeps during the nighttime while you're at work, right? Great. That's a, that's a wonderful setup, right? Here's Rachel Thomas. What the honourable member knows is this: rent prices have doubled, house prices have doubled. Mortgage rates have skyrocketed and investment in housing construction is down 14%. This minister just isn't getting the job done, despite his promises to Canadians. So, when will he stop the photo ops and actually get to work so that Canadians yeah. can have a roof over their head? Uh, Mr. Speaker, with respect to the honourable member, she's saying that investments are down. In her province, Stats Canada indicated this morning it's up 10.6%. The reality is the numbers are continuing to increase increase because of the measures we're putting on the table when we decided to eliminate GST we saw announcements that are going to lead to 300,000 homes over the next decade with respect to the housing accelerator fund the changes cities are making so far have unlocked 175,000 homes Mr. Speaker we are going to continue to make the investments necessary to get more homes built over and above the hundreds of thousands that the national housing strategy has already delivered so they're not interested in actually solving the problem they want to build houses Right problem action solution, so problem there 's not enough housing for all of these new immigrants. solution that they want, build fifteen minute cities, and there 'll be enough housing for everybody right in this concentrated area, and any other housing is too expensive so so they 'll turn it into what is the equivalent of fifteen minute cities or high density right the The um, new rules that are coming in for municipalities to be able to put fourplexes on individual city lots will has created a situation where If there's an investor with enough capital, they will buy a single home, knock it down and put up a fourplex. And now they've invested, made money, and this is what they're incentivizing. Our neighborhoods are going to be drastically, the density is going to be drastically increased. Yesterday, I told you that the federal government was looking at cracking down on Airbnb. Here's Steve to double down on that. And the housing minister says, yes, that's definitely what we're doing. Housing Minister Frazier confirms the feds are looking into using the tax system to discourage short-term rentals. So here we go. Uh, my sense is if there's tens of thousands uh, of units that we can uh, turn into uh, not uh, a competitor for a hotel or for a few nights, but a home for a family and a community, it's incumbent upon us to do everything we can uh, to use the properties that are available for homes. So CRA to uh, bring in some new tax measures for people who own short-term rentals? Uh, there's things that we are, are, are very much looking at along those lines uh, to use the tax system. Of course, the federal government doesn't necessarily have jurisdiction to uh, uh, prescribe exactly what may happen on the ground, which typically would fall to municipalities or potentially to provincial governments. Uh, but we do have the authority to make uh, uh, changes uh, through the uh, to the federal system of taxation. Uh, this is one of the areas that we're looking at, uh, but it's not necessarily the only one so there you go so they're looking at what what they want to do is make it so that you can't um, use the write-off system you can't write off expenses for your business for those rentals and there's some other tax um tax changes they were trying to bring in here's what bc's doing brian says bc outright banning short-term rentals coming soon to ontario i said it before when they when are they coming for your seasonal home? So they're doing this in, in increments and saying, look at this crisis. We have to respond to this crisis. It's a housing crisis. But they're taking people's property. They're changing business rules in order to align with their ideology. And they're not solving the housing problem because they're not dealing with supply and demand. And supply and demand is bringing a million people in when we're building not even one-tenth of that um, how needed supply of housing for that um, population, the demand from that population. It's not good, right? Here's Roscoe. And he says, yet another invasion of private property rights by the dict- dictatorial Trudeau regime. Reminder, when they attacked gun owners, we warned that the precedent would be used against others. You called us conspiracy theorists. Next would be trucks, boats, you should have listened. And Roscoe is just an unnamed account. But here's Clyde Do Something, and he's got a, I don't know, 20-minute long interview with a guy. I haven't watched the interview yet, but it's um, property rights in Canada and how you might lose them with Rod Galactica. I don't know Rod, so apologies. Um, I might know Rod, actually. I've I've interviewed a mask guy named Rod, but I think this guy's a gun guy named Rod. Maybe they're the same Rod. Um, Anyway, he says the fight against Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party for firearm rights is a bigger battle than most realize. They're attacking Canadians' right to any property. So if they can take your guns, if they can take your, if, if they can remove your vacation home, right? What if they say, that's quite a big house there, you know, shame that you've got a couple of empty bedrooms. It doesn't seem like you need, you don't have any kids there. So we've got migrants who need to live there. You know, why, why are you being so selfish? You racist, right? You don't want migrants living in your house? You're racist. That's, that's the attack line, right? And I mean, we've already seen it. So is this far-fetched? Uh, I, unfortunately, I think I, it's quite plausible. Um, I don't know that Trudeau's going to remain in power long enough to do it, but I feel like we're moving in this collectivist direction anyway. Just because people are being sold this lie of the government owes me something or somebody else owes me something. Like, you owe yourself the... Being responsible for yourself, you owe yourself the dignity of taking responsibility for your life because nobody else is going to go for your dreams other than you, right? And like nobody else is going to put that thing together other than you, right? And unless you negotiate it or something to that effect, but if you want something to happen for you, you have to orchestrate it, right? And it's very interesting that we're being told that the government has to fix your housing. The government has to make you warm and full, like fill your belly and all the rest of it. No, the government needs to work for the people and do the people's will and get out of the way most of the time, stop taxing, stop telling us what to do all the time. They're not able to provide everybody with everything they need. Even if they could, it wouldn't be exactly what you need, right? Because maybe you you don't like chicken, you like pork instead or vice versa and so on and so forth. So if the government gets a bulk order of chicken and hands out chicken, well, you know, actually I was thinking bacon tonight. So they can't deliver everything you want. So they should get out of the way and allow you to make the choices that you want. And they work for you, right? And th- we've been sold this lie of the government is going to provide everything for you. Don't worry, sit back and, you know, go through the motions and somebody else is going to show up and live your life for you. And that's such a harmful idea, harmful thing to put in people's heads. And even adults are are arrested by this idea that something else is going to show up and give them permission or tell them to finally start living their lives or something like that. It's a really weird thing that people wait for permission to do something. They want to do something. And if they start doing it, then wonderful. But often it won't go the way they expect. Some some problem will crop up and they won't know how to problem solve th- through that. And so they stop. And, and so that's interesting to me too. And it happens to me. Sometimes you want to accomplish a goal and then you find out that accomplishing the goal is more costly than you're willing to do, right? And so you say to yourself, I'm not doing that anymore. And that's okay. You found out what you weren't willing to do, right? you've You've learned something. At least you've engaged with it. But a lot of people get Uh, emotionally beat up by that and they can't move on from that. And that's really weird to me. And I think it's really strange to um, be arrested in that way, be so fearful of of failure and not sure how to problem solve and waiting for permission all the time. It's a really weird aspect of Western society that I think is relatively new. I think it has to do with the education system because you have to unlearn a lot of things when you come into the real world out of the education world. Right. Um, If you become a salesperson after working as a teacher, a good salesperson, the mentality is very different. And salespeople do mentality training, like your headspace training. Right. And teachers don't do that. So it's again, sorry, I'm going off on a diatribe here, but it is a really interesting thing that we do to ourselves by not engaging and taking responsibility for ourselves and our lives and waiting for somebody else to tell us what to do next, to tell us how to accomplish whatever thing it is. A lot of times people don't even choose something to do. They're waiting for somebody to tell them what to do. And again, I think that's an artifact of our education system. Anyway, I digress. Let's talk about uh, governance. (laughs) Glenn says, since becoming prime minister, Justin Trudeau has taken uh, personal days, 680 days. That's the equivalent of 22 months two years of vacation in eight years of governing that seems like a lot that seems really high so that's justin trudeau he's uh, (laughs) really high um cbc the trial of tamara lich is reporting crown closes case and convoy trial of tamara lich and chris barber so this article goes through and uses examples highlighting um, Chris Barber and Tamara Litch being in charge of this group of people. But I think during even during the convoy, when Chris and Tamara were telling people that they were making deals with Slowly and other police chiefs for moving trucks and things, they were having a hard time getting the truckers to listen to them because the truckers—it was a—it was an independent movement. They, you know, they had road captains and and things like that, but the truckers weren't listening to Tamara Ledge. Nobody was waiting for Tamara Ledge to tell them what to do, and so it's a very interesting. The the Crown has nothing. They have absolutely nothing. It, it was a horse and pony show. And I, I think they had a predetermined outcome, but they've flubbed it. And so now I don't think there's going to be any, I don't think these guys are going to be found guilty unless the court is completely corrupt, which it absolutely could be. But it's one of those situations where the crown has done a terrible job and the cbc is trying to make it sound like the crown did an okay job like uh quote no matter what we do uh, we will hold the line lich said in a video right um, that is hardly inciting a riot right hold the line everybody is hardly inciting a riot and that's a lot of the a lot of what this all depends on is that language that type of language meanwhile while the trial is going on and and you know now it's the defense's turn and i'm sure it'll be quick like the crown did not make their case um this is happening and being allowed to continue to happen emily says breaking pro-palestinian protesters have blocked the cn railway in winnipeg demanding a ceasefire in gaza two trains are currently stopped cn has a partnership with israel's largest shipping company zim so weird right? It's really, really crazy how if you've got truckers who are demanding Canadian freedom and saying, shutting down a bridge or something like that, that's terrorism. But this is not terrorism. And ceasefire for Gaza. The ceasefire idea for Gaza is a bad idea. It's a bad idea because that's the circumstances that led to the situation we're in now. And so we need to move forward. We can't move backwards, I think. But we'll talk about Israel when we get to Israel. Let's talk about Bonnie Henry. And pa- Bonnie Henry, um, so Drea is tweeting this this trial, um, and she starts it here. Bonnie, uh, excuse me, British Columbia, Nova Scotia are two of the only jurisdictions in the entire world forbidding COVID-vax-free healthcare workers from saving lives. Below is an interview with a BC paramedic who explains how much of a danger Dr. Henry's lingering mandates are. BC's health minister, Adrian Dix, claims the province is doing all it can to address the pro- the province's critical health care shortage. Watch Dr. York H, one of three petitioners for this judicial review, called Dix's bluff on that. The hearing was scheduled for courtroom 34, which only had around 24 seats. It filled immediately with people standing at the door. The justice ruling over the matter has decided to move the hearing to courtroom 54 to accommodate the public more comfortably. The CSSEM has been crowdfunding funding for a stacked legal team representing submissions on their behalf. Right now is the stacked team. The first public health order Gall brings up is one dated on March 17th, 2020. This was the provincial health order Dr. Bonnie Henry declared that there would be a public emergency on March 18th, 2020. You can find links to various to the very various that will likely be mentioned below. So you can follow along with all of the submissions. Gale reads through or Gall reads through some of some of another order where Dr. Henry begins to extend mandates. Henry says the ongoing mutilation of mutation of SARS cov 2 constitutes a regional event. There continues to be a reasonable risk that it could have significant impact on healthcare. Gall submits that there's no longer emergency and therefore there's no legal authority to continue the VAX mandate that is preventing jab free healthcare workers from caring for patients in certain settings. Gall says, secondly, secondly, the mandate is not saving any real, serving any real benefit or health purpose anymore. The question of appropriateness is on justification on why either the order is justified by the law. Gall says, all along the the way there there were examples of there not being a public emergency, but as the time goes on, it becomes more clear that there was no state of emergency. Gall submits that the declaration of emergency was unreasonable. It's a finding and a fact that the circumstances that there is an immediate threat to public health no longer exists. Essentially, the the CSSEM is challenging the newest vax mandate against BC healthcare workers on the grounds that the reasonableness has not been met. Gall submits that to the PHO, Dr. Henry, is turning this vaccination mandate into a permanent order. There's no sign that she intends to end this. Gall submits Dr. Henry has expressed the view that people who are unvaccinated in healthcare really shouldn't be in healthcare in the first place. The judge questions whether or not it is on the record that Dr. Henry doesn't think unjabbed healthcare workers should be in their field. Gall says, yes, it is. You can watch how intolerant Dr. Henry is of such health heroes below. Gall submits that we've reached the point where precautionary should no longer dictate things. You can't continue to use the emergency power to achieve this objective. Justice asks if this mandate is the only remaining COVID-19 mandate left in the province. Gall says he believes it is, especially when it comes to the more significant ones, but he will double-check. Justice says that he believes that another mandate has come back to the hospitals. Masking in certain settings is reported on below. Gall says he will confirm on break. Gall says BC is the only place in Canada and he isn't aware of anywhere else in the world that still has this type of vaccine mandate. Unless something has changed recently, I believe Nova Scotia still has a blanket vax mandate against jab-free healthcare workers too. Judge asks if it's on record in BC, that BC has only jurisdiction, is the only jurisdiction left. Gall says yes. Gall is recapping some of the order regarding written arguments found in section 42 of the petition. Says the legal team hopes to show that it really isn't a case of Uh, equally balanced evidence. Gall adds, given the impact of the vaccination mandates on the rights of those who decide not to be injected, we have to do more than we will just be trying, trying to be precautious. Gall says he understands no court is going to want to likely second-guess public health mandate, but if the government won't do it, then the courts have to. Gall begins making logical submissions about the COVID jabs' effectiveness and Dr. Henry's reasoning for implementing the vax mandate against unjabbed healthcare workers. Gall said, if the if it's true that the vax mandate the vax makes people have less symptoms but still pass on, then that would mean the unvaccinated healthcare workers who would be more likely to know that they were sick and stay home would make less patients less sick compared to those who are vaccinated. Paul says at best, the evidence they submitted shows that unjobbed are no more likely to be infected or no more likely to infect others. All says that there are emergency powers and they're considered to be temporary. They're not intended to be permanent. And at some point they have to end. So um, I'm going to end it there. But that whole series of examining this whole thing seems like a slam dunk to me. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like we're going to get um, satisfaction in, in looking at having people held accountable for their improper use of power or improper implementation of mm-hmm. vaccine mandates or, or mask mandates or anything like that. And the reality is, and even like lying about the vaccines, it's, it's a really, really um, uncertain future with regards to accountability and i think that that's just incredible i wouldn't have believed it i wouldn't have believed it honestly steve says health canada's freedom of information request shows that covid-19 vaccines have killed a lot more people than health canada would like to admit 2140 pages of death reports each report spans multiple pages decide for yourself who's telling the truth right so health canada admits to 224 deaths that might be related to covid to the covid vaccine by Steve's estimate, Steve Kirsch's estimate, um, over 100,000 Canadians prematurely died due to COVID vaccines, and I have I have the evidence now, record level national data to back up that estimate. So he's he says that he has the evidence to back it up, and he says he's a truth teller, critical thinker, founder of COVID nineteen early treatment fund, vaccine safety research founder, entrepreneur, philanthropist, etc. So. Interesting. Um, I don't know if he's telling the truth, but how can you know, right? Odessa says, I'm at the judicial review for the Doctors Against Bonnie Henry. The room wasn't big enough for all of those that are attending, so they moved to a bigger room. This is a a breakdown the same as as, uh, Drea's, so I just thought I'd have two. I was actually going to read Odessa's, but there it is. One of the things that I keep finding very interesting is how many different countries, um, from Joe Biden, who says, you know, we're friends of Israel and we will fund Israel and Israel, 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 to Justin Trudeau and Canada, right? We were friends of Israel, friends of Ukraine, friends of everybody who needs money and wants to take money from the Canadian taxpayer because who wouldn't want Canadian taxpayer money, right? Um, but every, it seems like, and I, who could know why this is? I'm certainly not making any kind of speculation, but it seems like anybody who gets elected to, you know, a big a big win has some kind of weird ties to Israel. I don't know why. It's a really weird thing. Um, Chris says, Argentinian president Javier Malai last month said, I don't go to church, I go to the synagogue. I don't follow a priest, I follow a rabbi. I learn the Torah and I support Israel. I I align with the U.S. and Israel and move our embassy to Jerusalem. If I win, my first trip is to Israel. Okay, so this is him in a a television um, announcement or not announcement, an interview. And I'll mute it because it's in Spanish, but it's in uh, English at the bottom. And he says, I don't go to church, I go to synagogue. This is Malai. He says, I don't follow a priest. I follow my rabbi. I learn the Torah. I'm internationally known as a friend of Israel. Internationally known as someone who learns the Torah. And I, I'm almost Jewish, he says. I'm just missing the blood covenant. I don't know what that is. And about the trivialization of the Holocaust. And he says, that's the question. He says, if there's anybody who's fighting against that, that's me. And they, they kind of go they go, he says, I'm, he says, I'm also attacked because of that. Um, and they start talking about some other things. Uh, but isn't that weird? Isn't that a strange thing? Like you'd, you'd think if you were elected to fix Argentina, that it would be an important thing to focus on Argentina, right? You'd think if you were going to make America great again, right? Donald Trump, uh, you'd focus on America. It's weird. It's weird how many, and and I include Donald Trump in this group of people, who one of the first things they do is is they say i'm with israel right we've got to protect that shining light of democracy and all that stuff weird just a weird thing to note don't you think jack straw hello everyone thanks very much for watching this is just a short version of a longer show if you'd like to get the whole show you can go over to canadapoly.com and sign up for a subscription. Just look in the drop down tab for shop and donate and look for subscriptions and you'll get immediate access to the full show. Love to see you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful.